Well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This morning we're going to be looking at verses 12 through 26. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Verses 12 through 26, and if you don't have a Bible, you can turn in the Pew Bible there. It's on page 902 in the Pew Bible, so 902 in the Pew Bible. And if you do not have a Bible, then we invite you to take that Bible with you as our gift to you. So First uh, Corinthians 12, verse 12, and then per page 902 in the Pew Bible. Uh, every church member... Every church member is an important part of the ministry of the church. Every church member. There's no non-important church members. Every church member is important to the ministry of the church. Have you ever heard of Edward Kimball? Anybody? Edward Kimball? No? no nobody's heard of Edward Kimball? Edward Kimball and... Uh, 1854, Kimball was a, a simple yet faithful Sunday school teacher in his local church there in uh, Detroit, Michigan. And his little class there was a 17-year-old boy who really had no interest in God, no interest in, in religious things whatsoever, yet Kimball was faithful to use his gifts, his God-given gifts, to pour into this young man. And he poured into him week after week, week after week. Uh, apparently, Kimball also had a little bit of, of the gift of evangelism because one day uh, he was impressed by the Holy Spirit to go visit this young man at his job at selling shoes. And so Kimball went to the shoe store to visit this man, and he witnessed to this man. He, he showed this young man the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that young man... Uh, surrendered his life that day that young man surrendered his life because Kimball was faithful to use his God-given gifts that young man surrendered his life to the gospel of Jesus Christ that young man was D.L. Moody anybody know D.L. Moody D.L. Moody from that day went on to be one of the world's greatest evangelists still one of the world's greatest evangelists one of the greatest evangelists in history. He shared the gospel throughout the world. He shared the gospel with over 100 million people in his lifetime. He started the Moody Bible Institute, which is still thriving today, still putting out good quality ministers of the gospel. And he started Moody Bible Churches, which is one of the, still one of the most uh, conservative and, and one of the greatest lights of the gospel in Chicago, uh, which needs the gospel light. Uh, Moody did all of those things because Kimball was faithful to serving God, using his gifts, the spiritual gifts God had given him to minister to his church and to this young man. Boy, what an impact one person can do just being faithful to the ministry that God has called them to do in their local church. Every church member is important to the ministry of the church, and no one truly knows the impact they will have just in their faithfulness to serve. 
today we are continuing our study in spiritual gifts. We'll be talking about spiritual gifts throughout uh, chapter 12 and to, uh, all the way over to, to chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, but we're continuing our study this morning. In this text, we're going to see that spiritual gifts unify the church through diversity and interdependence. Let me say that again. Spiritual gifts unify the church through diversity and interdependence. And so we're going to see how that works out today in today's passage. We're going to see here three divine purposes of spiritual gifts. Three divine purposes of spiritual gifts. And my hope today in this sermon is that you will be encouraged, each and every one of you will be encouraged to use your spiritual gifts in faithfulness to God's service here at First Bastrop. So uh, we have to remember here that Corinth, go back into our, our history of Corinth. Corinth is a divided church. There's a lot of division in the church. Uh, just peop some people are, are saying, you know, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, I follow Peter. Uh, all of this division. And, and now as we begin to look at these spiritual gifts, as Paul addresses spiritual gifts in the church, and we're going to see this more when we get into chapter 14, there is division in the church over spiritual gifts. Imagine that, spiritual gifts causing division in the church, but it, it's, it's doing that. And, and what Paul is getting at here in this, this passage, in this, these few uh, three uh, paragraphs that we're going to be looking at today, is, is that, that the spiritual gifts are not meant to, to divide the church. Quite the opposite. Spiritual gifts are, are made, they're created, they're, they're brought in, they're given to unify the church. And so we need to see that, we need to understand that as a church. Your Christian, your spiritual gifts were given to be used in the church for the unity and edification of the church. So I hope I encourage you today to employ your spiritual gifts in the ministry of First Bastrop. So now normally we stand and we read the, the passage, but this is quite a long passage, so we're going to work through it little by little today as we go through the text. As we begin, though, this morning, first of all, we see these three divisions, three, or excuse me, three divine purposes of spiritual gifts. The first divine purpose of spiritual gifts is this, spiritual gifts unify the church. Spiritual gifts unify the church. Uh, let's look at that first paragraph there, starting in verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are baptized, we're, we're all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Now in this one little paragraph, two verses, two sentences, uh, Paul uses the, the word one five times. Now, he's going to use it many more times in the following paragraphs as well. But in this one paragraph, he uses one five times. I think he's trying to make a point. I think he's trying to make a point. I think he's trying to make a point that, that spiritual gifts unify the church. They're meant to unify the church. They're, they're meant to bring about a sense of oneness 
in the church. First of all, we see that spiritual gifts create one body. One body, one unified body. Paul begins this metaphor here for the church and uses it throughout these paragraphs that we're looking at today. But it's this, this, this metaphor of the human body. Now we see many metaphors throughout, throughout Scripture for the church. There's the vine and branches, which the men, we, we looked at that Wednesday night, the vine and the branches. Christ is the vine and, and we are the branches. There's the, the metaphor of the kingdom, the kingdom of God. We are God's kingdom. The church is God's kingdom. And of course, there's the bride. We're the bride of Christ. But you know, one of the most beautiful images of the church is the human body. It's the human body. It's this metaphor here in, in 1 Corinthians. When you think about the human body, the human body is one of the, the most beautiful complex and and complementary organisms of God's creation we think about that for a minute every member of the body your body you have many parts right you have many members many parts and and all of these parts function together for your health and your benefit right if one part of the body is not working right, we're sick. We're not whole. Something's wrong. And so it's that organism, that, that complex organism that Paul uses here to demonstrate the unity, the necessity for the unity in the church. We are the body. We are a complex organism. The church is not a building. Right? They ask, you know, people often ask me, now where is your church? Well, I'm tempted to say, well, we're kind of scattered everywhere right now because this building is not the church. This is just a, a structure in which we gather in Sunday after Sunday so that we can be out of the heat, we can be out of the cold, we can be out of the rain, and we can come together and study God's word together and worship God together. But this building is not the church. If this building were wiped out by a hurricane, the church, God's church would not be harmed whatsoever. This building is not the church. The church is not an association. It's not a society. It's not a, a group to be a member of, right? It, to be a part of a society, uh, kind of you think about, well, you've you got to do certain things to be there and, and all of these requirements and you've got to pay your dues and if you don't pay your dues, then you're out. But that's not the church. The church is not a society. The church is an organism. We're a living, breathing organism that God has created to live and function together. Oh, how beautiful the church. The church is one body. Not many bodies. We are one body. We are the body of Christ. Oh, how beautiful. Look at, look at let's just read verse 12 again. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. We are 
the body of Christ. We are joined to Him. He is our head. We are the members of His body. That should give us comfort, shouldn't it? We are the body of Christ. One body unified in Christ. So there's the one body and there's the one spirit. Look at verse 13. 13 says, For in one spirit you were baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Now, don't get confused about Paul's use of, 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 of the baptism and the, the drinking of the spirit. Some people see this as a reference to the actual baptism and the Lord's Supper, but that's not Paul's point here. Let's not go beyond Paul's point. Paul's point here is that we all participate in the Holy Spirit. When we come to faith in Christ, it's one Spirit that indwells each and every one of us. The Spirit of God that indwells me, dear Christian, also indwells you. It's not a different Spirit. It's one Spirit. It's the same Spirit. It's the one Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit isn't many spirits. He's one Spirit. And the same Spirit that lives in me, dear Christian, lives in you. The same Spirit that lives in me and gives me the the, the gift to, to be able to proclaim God's Word, to teach God's Word, to lead God's people, is the same Spirit that gives you the gifts to do those things that He has called you to do. It's the same Spirit. We have one Spirit. Therefore, there's no longer Jew or Greek, slave or free. There's no longer rich or poor, black or white. All of these divisions, all of these societal divisions that we tend to... to, to force upon ourselves, are gone. They're gone. They're removed. We are one in Christ, and we are one in the Holy Spirit. We share the same Spirit. The same Spirit that empowers me to do the ministry God has called me to do empowers you to do the ministry that God has called you to do. We are one. We are unified in the Spirit. Galatians 3, chapter, or Galatians 3, verse 28 says, Therefore, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ. Church, we are one. We are unified in Christ Jesus. Never think, never think that you are superior to any other believer because you're not. On the other hand, never think you are inferior to another Christian because you're not. We are one in Christ. One in the Spirit. That is God's purpose for us. Spiritual gifts unify the church. So that's the overarching purpose of the spiritual gifts and, and the gift of the Holy Spirit in general in our lives. It is the unifying of the church. The Holy Spirit unifies the church. Now, the next two divine purposes are 
or what creates that unity. So you have the overarching main purpose of unifying the church and then these two uh, other purposes feed that unity. They create that unity. So the second divine purpose of spiritual gifts is spiritual gifts diversify the church. Spiritual gifts diversify the church. They unify the church, but they also diversify the church. They cause diversity within the church. Look at verses 14 through 20. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Spiritual gifts diversify the church. There are a diversity of spiritual gifts. There are a diversity of spiritual gifts. We have one spirit living within us, but not all of us have the same spiritual gifts. Every member has a different set of gifts. You may share them with some, but you're not going to share them with others, with all, right? Uh, not everyone is called to, to prophesy, to proclaim God's written word. I've been given that gift, praise the Lord. I've been given that gift, and, and it's a joy for me to use that gift, but not everybody has that gift. Not everybody's a preacher, right? Not everybody can be a preacher. Not everybody is given the, the gift of administration. Not everybody is given the gift of hospitality. Though we're to be hospitable, uh, not everybody has that gift of hospitality, right? There are many gifts. There's a, a diversity of gifts within the, the body of Christ. Just like there's a diversity of members in our body. Now Paul uses this analogy and he, and he creates these conversation between body parts, right? Uh, what, uh, the, the foot can't say that a hand because I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body. Right? And, and, and the eye can't say that the ear, well, I'm not part of the body, I can't hear, so I'm not part of the body. But now think about that. Think about that. Like the hand, we do a lot of things with our hands, don't we? I mean, we really use, I'm, I'm talking with my hands right now. I'm using them to talk. If, if I didn't have my hands, I, I, I probably wouldn't be able to say anything. I mean, I, I need them. I need them to talk. Uh, we write with our hands. We, we draw and paint with our hands. We, we, you know, go out there and work and we hammer with our hands. We, we do all of these things with our hands. And so our foot is down here and our foot is looking up at all that we do with our hand. And our foot says, well, I can't do all of those things. I can't write. I can't draw beautiful pictures. I can't hammer a nail. I can't cook. I can't do all of those things. So, oh, I'm just not important. I'm not a part of the body. 
but then again, how would the hand do all of those things if our feet didn't carry the hand there to do it? Right, my hand couldn't hammer a nail if my feet didn't carry me to the board and the nails. Right? Every member is an essential part. It has a different function. It does a different part. It has a different purpose. Yet it's all part of the one body. There are the diversity of gifts, but an equality of importance. An equality of importance. Dear friend, your gift is important to the ministry of the church. No, no, you, you may not have one of those out in, in front of everybody gifts. Not everybody can, can stand up before a classroom and teach. Maybe you're a behind-the-scenes person and, and, and you, you have the gift of serving and, or helps or, or one of those gifts and, and you're not out in front. No, you're back behind the scenes and nobody ever really realizes you're there. But you are absolutely important. I mean, let's just think about this very moment. Yes, here I am, out in front of everybody here, and I, I'm sitting here talking, you're all looking at me, you're listening to me, hopefully you're listening to me, and, and, and you're, you're hearing what I have to say, even those who are out there in the, the world wide web watching us from on the internet, streaming into their home, they're sitting there, they're looking at me, they're listening to me, and, and uh, all of that, but none of this would be possible if those guys up there in the balcony and those gals up there in the balcony were not sitting there doing their job. They're serving, but they're behind the scenes, aren't they? Nobody's looking at them. Nobody's seeing them. But my talking would be, you'd be like, huh, I can't hear you, preacher. Could you speak up if the sound guys weren't adjusting my, my, my mic right? Those out there on the internet streaming in, they, they couldn't watch this if, if, if Zach wasn't up there uh, or no, it's Nolan this morning, but Nolan wasn't up there uh, working the computer to, to make that happen. And, and y'all couldn't see all these slides if Amber wasn't doing her job. So you see, uh, the, you might forget about them. You might forget they're even up there at times, but their job is absolutely important to this service and it going well. <laughs> And being enjoyable. So every gift is important. Every gift is important. There are many gifts, many, many gifts in the church. As we've looked at, we spent weeks looking at the spiritual gifts. And, and there are more, I think there are more spiritual gifts that we didn't even cover. But there are many gifts, but... Every single gift is absolutely important to the ministry of the church. So there's a diversity of, of gifts. Let me kind of uh, put this, this text in this manner. Let me kind of uh, take out the body metaphor and just put it like this. If all were preachers, where would the administrative order be? If all were evangelists, where would the sense of service be? If Paul had the gift of hospitality, where would the, the gift of discernment be? Every gift has a function and a purpose in the unity of the body. Every spiritual gift has a divine purpose and is important to the healthy function, functioning of the body of Jesus Christ. Dear friend, dear Christian, your gift 
even though you, you think, well, I'm not this, I'm not that, I'm just, I, th- here's all I do. All you do is important. Everything that you do is important. Your gift is important to the health and the ministry of this church. Spiritual gifts unify and they diversify the church. Third, spiritual gifts create interdependence in the church. Spiritual gifts create interdependence within the church. Look at verses uh, 21 through 26 there. Uh, They build this mutual dependence within the church. There's a mutual dependence. That's what interdependence means. But there's a mutual dependence within the church because of the spiritual gifts. Starting in verse 21 there, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the hand to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on, the, and on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts we treat are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the parts that lack it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. There is mutual dependence within the body of Christ. There is mutual dependence in the body of Christ. Every part is indispensable. That's what he says there. Every part, every member is indispensable. It's indispensable. We can't function right if there's a part of the body that's not working right. If someone, if if a member of the body is not doing their job, if they're not doing what they were created to do, then there's a problem. If there's something in your body that goes awry, right, if your heart quits beating right, you're going to the hospital. If you break a hand, you're going to be handicapped. There's going to be a problem. You're not going to be able to do things like you did before. If you tear a muscle, you're going to have to wear a splint. You're not going to be able to function to your full capacity. It's only when all of the parts of the body are functioning at full capacity that we really function like we're supposed to function. We need that kind of interdependence. Our hand needs to do what the hand is supposed to do. Our feet need to do what our feet are supposed to do. Our heart, our heart needs to do what we need it to do, right? We need it beaten. And and that's like the whole interior parts, like the internal parts. Those are some of the most important parts is what Paul is getting at here. Like there's hidden parts. We've got the lungs that we, we can't see the lungs, right? We, we don't see the lungs. We don't see the importance of the lungs. We, we, we just, they're, they're in, inside us. We never lay our eye on them. Our heart is even further in, right? It's, it's, it's encased by our, between our, our lungs. They, they kind of protect them there, and then we've got a sternum over top of them. And so, so it's even deeper in. But how would we function without our heart? We wouldn't. You have a heart attack, you die, that life's over. But that's an essential part, isn't it? 
Even though we can't see it, we can't see what it, do, what it does, it's an essential part. So there's this interdependence. If, if one part doesn't function like it's supposed to function, then we're unhealthy. And so it is with the church. So it is with the church. Now, I've used this illustration before, and, but it's such a good illustration. But you, you get up in the middle of the night. You get up in the middle of the night. You've got to go off. you got to go to the bathroom, right? And you get up in the middle of the night. The lights are off. But, hey, you know the way. You know the way. You, you've walked it a thousand times. You don't need the lights on. You know the steps from here to the bathroom. Uh, but, you know, somebody has left something in the floor. And you stump your, your pinky toe. And what happens? You, you're probably going to the ground. Uh, it, it hurts. And, and if you break that pinky toe, that, such a small member, it's your little pinky toe. It's your little pinky toe. Oh, what's, what's a pinky toe? But you'll be hobbling around for a week if you break that pinky toe. You're not going to function well. You're not going to be able to walk right. You're going to have problems because that one little pinky toe is injured. It's, it's not able to function like it's supposed to function. The, the most minor parts that we think are minor parts of our body, if they're injured, they, they handicap the rest of the whole body. And so it is in the life of the church. Dear Christian, you might think, well, my little gift, it's nothing. It's not really that. I'm not important to the life of the church. Not really. I mean, uh, what, 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 what do I do? Your gift is absolutely important to the healthy function of the church. You're indispensable. You are indispensable. We are dependent upon you. I can't do my job to its fullest if I don't have the other members taking care of their part of the ministry. Like, I've got some great deacons who, who serve this church well, and if they didn't do their jobs, if they didn't take care of, of their family groups, their family ministry groups, then that adds more pressure to me, and now I can't spend as much time preparing messages and studying God's Word and praying for the church if they don't function, if they don't do their part. If you have the gift of prayer, I, I need your prayers. I don't function right if you're not praying as God has called you to pray. Whatever your gift is, every member of the church is dependent upon you. There's mutual dependency here, and we need you to function, to work, to use your gift in the manner God intended you to use it. We need you. We are mutually dependent. We depend upon one another. And as this, uh, and as, and this mutual dependence then we see is divinely appointed. This mutual dependence is divinely appointed. It is given to us by God. And we see this a couple of times in this text. First, look at verse 18 again. Look at 18. But as it is, God arrange the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. Now that word chose there, it can be translated as he willed. It is determined by the will of God. God willed you to have your spiritual gift. 
And you can say, well, God, I wish you would give me this gift. I wish you would give me that gift. And, and we'll see next week. It's all right to pray for other gifts and say, God, I, I, could you help me here? Could you give me this? I, I'd really like to do this. Would you give me this gift? You can pray for gifts, but ultimately you have to understand that your gifts are determined by the will of God. It is God's will. And God distributes the gifts as he wills, as he desires. They are God-given. And then again, look at verse 24, the second half of verse 24. But God has so composed the body. It is God who has composed the body, the body of Christ. It is all God. He does it. He has appointed each member. So I want you to see, dear Christian, I want you to understand this. That if you fail to use your gifts in the ministry of the church, hear me, if you fail to use your gifts in the ministry of the church, if you've determined I'm not important, I'm just going to come Sunday morning, I'm going to sit and soak and that's it, and you don't use your gifts for the ministry of the church, you are living in sin. You are living outside the will of God because He willed you that gift. And His will is that you use that gift for the ministry of the church, for the glory of God and the edification of His church. If you fail that, you are living in sin, dear Christian. Period. No excuses. But, 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 I've got this going, I've got that going, I just don't have time. If you are failing to use your gifts for the ministry of the church that God has called you to be a member of, you are living in sin. Not only are you causing this body to function in a handicapped capacity, you yourself are living in sin, and God will not honor that. He will not bless that. You are living outside the will of God. So, dear Christian, God has recreated you in the power of the Holy Spirit and has purposefully given you spiritual gifts to be used in the ministry of the church. If you fail to use those gifts in the ministry of the church, one, the church is suffering because of your faithlessness. It's like the body is missing a member, it's missing a part. You're handicapped, you have handicapped the church because of, of your unwillingness to serve. Two, you are not fulfilling God's purpose for your life. In life we talk a lot about our purpose and wanting to find our purpose and fulfilling our purpose. I can tell you, according to God's word, if you are not using your spiritual gift as God has determined you would use it, you are not fulfilling your purpose. And you will never have a sense of fulfillment in your life if you're living outside of God's purpose for your life. Third, and most important, as I said, if you are failing to use your spiritual gift as God purposed for you, you are living in sin. You are living in open, unrepentant rebellion against a holy God. 
Repent. Repent. Turn away from your disobedience. Turn to obedience. Use your gifts for the glory of God and the edification of his church. The church is one body with many members. And that is by God's holy design. God designed spiritual gifts to unify the church through diversity, through many gifts, working together in interdependence, in, in, mutually dependent upon one another so that we might glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Christian, if you are not using your spiritual gifts for the work of the ministry, the church is suffering and you are living in sin against God today. Today, turn away from that. Make that commitment. I'm going to get involved. I'm going to do my part. I'm going to do what God has called me to do. I'm going to use my gifts and talents for the glory of his name and the edification of his church. In fact, today, if you are willing to make that commitment, now I want everybody to repeat after me. Lord, today. Oh, that wasn't, in, that, that, I, I didn't get that. Lord, today. I commit to get involved. Using my spiritual gifts for your glory and the edification of your church. Amen. Amen. For others of you, whether you're here or you're listening in, you don't have spiritual gifts because you don't have the Spirit of God indwelling you. You don't have the Spirit of God living within you. You've never trusted in Jesus. Well, today I want you to know the path of salvation. You need to know, more important than how spiritual gifts function, you need to know, dear friend, that you are a sinner. And you're on the road to everlasting, eternal destruction because of your sin, your disobedience against a holy God in your life. You've been living in disobedience. You, you've been rebelling against him. Instead of honoring him and glorifying him, you've been pursuing your own glory, your own honor, your own benefits in this world. You've been neglecting God. You have put him aside. You've cast him aside. You are a sinner, and you deserve everlasting destruction and a devil's hell because of your disobedience to a holy and just God. And you're on that road to destruction. But God has provided a way out. A way out of that destruction by sending His Son, Jesus Christ, to come to this world, to live for you in complete obedience to the Father's will. He did everything that His Father willed for Him to do even to the point that he went to Calvary's cross and died for your sins, he lived in complete obedience in your place. And not only did he live in ob 
obedience to in, in your place. He also died in your place. He received the punishment for your sin in your place. Hell was poured out upon him as he hung on Calvary's cross. He died for you. He gave himself for you so that you might have life in him. And his offer is eternal life. His hand is extended. He says, all you have to do is trust me. Believe me. Surrender to me. I have everything that is good for you. I want everything that is good and right for you. Will you receive me? His hand is, is extended today. Will you receive him? Will you trust him today? Will you surrender your life to him today? That's all there is to it. There's no getting your life right before you do that. No, it starts right there by trusting in Jesus. Will you trust in Jesus today? Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that you died, Lord, even to, to unify us, to bring us together, to bring reconciliation uh, not only between us and, and, and the Father, but between one another and Lord you've brought us together with all of our our diversity of, of backgrounds and experiences and even a diversity of spiritual gifts that you have given us you have you have given us that all to bring us together as one body unified serving you together glorifying you together in this world oh father I pray that as we took that vow this morning together that each and every one of us meant it in our hearts and that we would no longer neglect our gifts neglect our service to you and to your church but Lord that we would use those gifts you have given us for your honor, your glory and the edification of your church oh Lord unify us through the gifts and help us Lord help us Lord C certainly we will fail you in so many ways but Lord help us empower us to glorify your name together as one body in Christ and Lord certainly there are those who are, 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 are either here or listening in who have never trusted in Jesus Lord my greatest prayer for them is today that you would turn their hearts to Christ let them see Christ let them receive Christ so that they may know you and your eternal salvation this I pray in Christ's name Amen